Yeah, so how's it going, everybody? I'm with Austin Lane. Uh, in the second episode of Fighter Definition, we finally got a new guest. And uh, yeah, how are you doing today, brother? Dude, I'm doing great, man, here in uh, Jacksonville, Florida right now. Um, got, maybe I have a little hurricane coming through, so we're kind of getting ready uh, for that whole scene. But overall, about a week out now from Dana White's Contender Series, you know, signed the contract and everything, so I'm feeling good. Stay safe uh, with that hurricane, but uh, yeah, that's what's up. That's what's up. So basically what we do around here, it's kind of like 10 questions with won't take too much of your time. So let's just jump right into this, you know? So uh, what we like to do here is we like to start with who you really are, right? So tell us about Austin Lane, you know, like outside of punching dudes, what do you like to do in your spare time? Man, um, I don't have a lot of spare time, but if I'm hanging out, it's definitely with the family. I have a seven-year-old son, uh, and I've been married for about five years now. So always hanging out with my family um, means a lot to me. Hanging out at the beach when it's not storming or having a hurricane come through it. Uh, I'm a big beach dude. Um, I love watching anime uh, in my free time. Big anime fan. Um, and then I also do this morning show um, in Jacksonville, 95.1 WAPE. It's a top 40 station, but we have our own talk show. It's me and this, uh, this girl named Megan. Um, we, we've been doing it for about two years now, so I, I do the, the talk show in the morning as well. So I stay super busy. Um, if I'm not busy, then I'm just chilling. That's pretty dope. What kind of anime you watch? Oh, dude, everything, man. Uh, right now I'm finishing up uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, the new season on Netflix. Uh, what else did I just finish? I finished My Hero Academia a little while ago. Uh, I rewatched Naruto, like the whole thing again. Uh, just kind of, you know, re-relive that childhood a little bit. So, yeah, man, I mean, I, I love it all. It's definitely more action-based um, than anything. But, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of a lot of things. That's dope. That's dope. You got a favorite anime? Uh, I mean, probably my favorite would be Cowboy Bebop. You know, I, I got it. That's uh, dope. A little oh, bit. Oh, shit. Full <laughs> Metal Alchemist on the other side. I'm a big fan of that one as well. So, yeah, man, those are like my top two. That's really dope. That's really dope. So let's get into your career, right? Uh, you started off as a professional uh, football player uh, or American football uh, as a defensive end in the NFL. And my question is basically is after your retirement, what got you into mixed martial arts? Like why MMA, you know? Yeah. So truth be told, I was actually training MMA during my football career. Um, it started about my second or third year in the league where my defensive line coach here in Jacksonville recommended that I go to a boxing gym or an MMA gym to increase my hand speed. Because, you know, playing football, playing defensive end, getting after the quarterback, it's all about hand speed. Um, it's all about hips and everything. So uh, I go to this MMA gym, you know, I, I learn how to throw the proper punch, increase my hand speed. It was an MMA gym. And they also had jujitsu. So one day, you know, I got pulled aside and someone asked, hey, do you want to roll a little bit? I had zero idea what to do, but this guy was a purple belt at the time. Oh, uh, his name, and uh, he was about maybe like 170 at the most. Um, you know, so a very he's a shorter dude, and obviously me at the time I'm like six foot six, two seventy. So I'm like, yeah, man. I mean, I'm a roll. I don't want to hurt you or anything. And I kid you not, I kid you not, man. Five minutes later, after one round, I got tapped four times. Mm -hmm. uh, like you know, I got humbled very quickly, but it made me appreciate that sports so that I kind of like, you know what, there's something to this jujitsu thing. So I started rolling jujitsu a little bit and I just slowly started to fall in love with more and more of the disciplines. And I knew by the time I was done playing football, which my last year is in Chicago, 
I knew once I was done playing football and going to retire, that MMA was going to be there for me to pursue next. So it was a pretty easy transition. Um, and it helps knowing that, you know, when you're done with one career, you have another career in your back pocket. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty dope. Now you mentioned that it was an easy transition. You also mentioned that uh, when you were in the NFL, you did train MMA to increase hand speed and stuff like that. So Basically, the follow-up to the next question is, is how did the transition feel from the NFL to MMA, right? What are like similarities? What are differences? What is the transition, basically? Yeah, I mean, you know, in terms of, of, of the, the similarities, um, obviously a high-intensity sport, I would say. Um, definitely a lot of emotion involved in it, but that's really like where the similarities end. Um, you know, I mean, and it's also a team sport as well. You know, like MMA, obviously, it's just me going in the cage, but I'm, I'm taking the things that I've gathered from my teammates, from my coaches. So it's definitely a team, excuse me, a team sport as well. But when we talk about the differences, you know, in, in a football game, you prepare your body, you prepare your mind for a play that maybe lasts seven seconds. An MMA fight when you're a professional can last five minutes around. You know, so that was the hardest transition for me was, was teaching myself, was conditioning my body now to say, hey, seven seconds is nothing in MMA. You know, you have to get ready to go for all 15 minutes or if you're fighting a championship fight like I fought before, 25 minutes. So getting my body conditioned to, to go longer, you know, how to deal with lactic acid buildup and all that, all that stuff when, in terms of when you, when you have a fight and the anxiety and the nerves – um, you didn't really encounter that a lot in football. So that was probably the biggest adjustment was learning how to handle everything in an extended period of time. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty dope. Uh, here's the thing though. Uh, now we're, let's, let's get into the nitty gritty, right? Let's get into your MMA career. So yeah. let's address the elephant in the room. Your big win last week uh, yeah. on Dana White's Kateri series, finally got that UFC contract. Now, yeah. Uh, you and I both know that this wasn't your first attempt at the Dana White Contender Series, right? Your first was in 2018, where you lost to Greg Hardy. And since that fight, you've gone eight, eight and two, and yeah. you're currently on a six-fight win streak, which yeah. is huge. And that wouldn't have happened if something in you hasn't changed, something in your training hasn't changed. You've changed something. So yeah. what changed in you exactly? And what did you do different to become and evolve? Yeah, you know, it was definitely a case of learning to be more patient. If you watch, watch that Greg Hardy fight, um, I overcommitted. I threw a power shot, overextended myself, um, and then got KO'd, you know. And then from that fight on, we learned how to build. Like, yeah, I'm going to have athleticism advantage probably over anybody that I face at the heavyweight division. That's a given. But now I got to learn. I got to go back to the fundamentals. You know, I have to learn how to stay safe, um, how to throw the proper punch, not overextend myself. So that Greg Hardy fight really made us peel back the curtain a little bit and um, go back to the basics, if you will. Now, in terms of what changed, you know, especially since my, my six-fight win streak, that was more mental than anything. Um, and to me, if you go back to when I fought to Barris Gordon, which, you know, I think that was maybe five fights ago, whenever that case was, um, when I was walking in that cage, I felt different. And the reason why I felt different was because I wasn't, taking the outside forces with me you know when i fought greg hardy it was good versus evil right nobody liked that dude yeah. everyone was cheering. like my dms were were loaded with everyone cheering for me saying you know you had beat this guy beat him for me and all this stuff and instead of just fighting my fight i brought all that in the cage with me it wasn't until i realized like 
you know, and I love my family. I love the city of Jacksonville. I love everyone that, that I come in contact with, but they can't fight for me. Only I can fight for myself, you know? So all I have is my skill set that I've acquired and my coach's voice. And that's it. And once I realized that, and once I just started taking those two things in the cage with me and nothing else, um, I've, I've kind of reached like a flow state, you would call it. And that's made all the difference. And that's made all the difference in, in my past six wins. That's that's pretty dope. Uh, let's get into your first uh, last fight. Sorry. Uh, yeah. We also what happened with that low blow accident incident. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I just want to know what was because I saw you like leaning on the cage. Right. I want to know what was going through your mind at that time, because it took a minute. Right. And it was a nasty kick, too. It was a yeah. nasty kick, too. So I just want to know, like, in your mind, what was running through your head? Yeah, I mean, you know, when you throw an inside leg kick, you got to throw it a little quicker and you have to throw it a little more recklessly just because it leaves open to get countered a little more because it's your front foot, not your back foot. So, you know, I mean, there was definitely a plan to attack his front leg, his lead leg, um, tried to do it. Obviously, he came forward, my foot went up, and yeah, I mean, I knew right away it was going to be bad. And then you could hear the reaction from the screaming. I'm like, shit, I just cost myself a contract because I thought the fight was going to get stopped, you know, like due to his reaction, the screaming, he's rolling on the ground. That's all I was thinking. I mean, obviously, I was remorseful. Um, you know, I, I didn't mean to do that. I'm, I don't, I'm not a dirty fighter by any means. It definitely was an accident. But I was thinking, like, man, this um, this fight's uh, about to get stopped. And, and and that was, you know, that would have been super unfortunate. But thankfully, you know, he took some time, only a minute 30. I thought he took the, the full five minutes at least. But, um, you know, I think he was ready to get back in there and show off his skill set as well. So uh, that's what was going through my head. Man. Well, there's a lot of things, but that was primarily the main <laughs> The other one was my nose because um, I ended up breaking my nose three weeks before the fight. Um, I had to get set back into place. And so it wasn't like fully healed. Obviously, it takes a while for your nose to heal. And the first thing that I – one of the first things I throw is the, I threw like the, the, the leg kick or like the, the push kick to his leg. I miss. I slip off. He, can, he gets like a one-two on my nose. And I mean, like, all right, well, that shit's still broken. <laughs> I can feel it. So like, I, I was thinking like, all right, well, head movement, Austin, head movement. When he gets back up use head movement. So um, first thought was remorse and hopefully they don't call the fight. And second thought was use my head movement. Mm -hmm. And uh, now like with all like that said and done, uh, following what you said about like feeling that the fight was going to be stopped. There was a moment that you thought that you may be disqualified, may lose a point when it goes to a decision and stuff like that. I just want to yeah. know how did it feel to when you stopped him and you got that win, got your hand raised, then a couple of like hours after that minutes, I, I don't know what, how long the time was, you yeah. got that call and you got a UFC contract, right? Uh, yeah. So I just want to know how all that felt. Um, It felt amazing. You know, I'm a big proponent of visualization. So I, I visualized that fight a thousand times and I visualized myself always winning that fight. And I visualized myself after winning the fight, what I would do. Sometimes I jumped on top of the cage. Sometimes I would quick go find my coach, give him a hug and my teammates and everything. Sometimes I would find myself getting in front of the camera and just like flexing and screaming and saying, let's go and all that stuff. But in that moment, um, you know, it, it hit me of just all the hard work, all the sacrifice um, finally came to fruition. And what I ended up doing, which I never visualized doing, but I ended up doing it, is I took a knee, or I took two knees, essentially. I, 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 I knelt down in the middle of the cage, and all I did was take that moment in. 
um, all I did was stay super present and just, you know, I embraced everything that I was feeling. Um, and I'm glad that I did that. You know, I mean, in terms of sports moments, it's definitely up there. And when I got drafted, you know, it was a, it was a very cool thing, too, to go to the National Football League and play a game of football that I played since I was six years old. And now it's playing at the highest level. But even then, it was like I get the phone call. I'm going to Jacksonville. Now it's time to party. You know, and now it's time to cut wild. In that moment, after that fight, it wasn't necessarily, hey, we're celebrating. Um, we're, we're going wild. It was just a moment of, hey. Let's go ahead and take this all in. Let's let's appreciate the moment, and then let's you know get ready to, to go back to work. And that's exactly what I did, and um, I'm thankful I did that. Well, congratulations on signing that contract. That's really dope. But here's the thing, though. Let's talk current fights, right? You you just signed that contract. You you obviously wanna you obviously need to fight someone, and that contract. That them's the rules, right? And I'm thinking, do you have any name that come like comes up off the top of your head? Any opponent that you're thinking of? I mean, seriously, there's no name off the top of my head, man. Um, I, I'm going to fight whoever they put it in front of me. You know, I mean, people definitely got opinions who they want to see me fight. And if that comes to fruition, then so be it. Um, but but as far as I'm concerned, man, I mean, a name is a name. A face is a face. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm confident in my abilities. I'm confident in my mindset. And I'm confident in my, my abilities to prepare for an opponent. So regardless if it's a striker, if it's a wrestler, if it's a jiu-jitsu guy, which I don't know there's a lot of those guys uh, at the heavyweight division, but whatever the case may be, man, I'm going to be ready. And it doesn't really matter where it is. It can be in my backyard. It can be uh, overseas. It can be in a parking lot as far as I'm concerned, man. Um, that's all just gray matter. It doesn't really affect me at all, but I am excited whenever that, that time will come. Yeah, you mentioned a lot of uh, fight styles. And following up, my next question basically is heavyweight currently is stacked. You got Francis Ngannou, who hits like a truck, like literally, uh, you know. Uh, you got Cyril Gunn, who who's a heavyweight but moves like a middleweight. You've got yeah. Curtis Blades with the wrestling and the with the elbows. You got Tom Aspinall with the size and speed. Yeah. I want to – let me ask you this. What yeah. – does Austin Lane bring to the table? Why, what separates you from the rest of these guys? So, you know what? It, it's it's funny you bring up Cyril Gaon because Cyril Gaon's a guy that I've watched a lot of film on because he's he is an athlete, number one, but number two, he's very light in his feet. Um, and that's what I aspire to be. You know, if, if you watch some of my fight specials in the last couple ones, even the, the, the Contender Series, when I'm probing that jab, when I'm kind of sticking that out there, that's Cyril Gaon. That's, that's where I got that from. Um, of staying back now don't rush in and get you know grappled and get taken down because Cyril God doesn't do that and I still have a lot to learn in terms of you know don't just try to throw somebody if he's got double underhooks you know maybe get out of that first reverse it and then work from there but um he's definitely a guy that uh, I love watching just because of, of just his technique and you know he, he sometimes gets a bad rap because well he can be boring at sometimes but that's this is fighting you know what I'm saying like Floyd Mayweather is the best of all time he didn't have knockout power, but he punched people, and he never got punched. Uh, I get this vibe from Cyril Gunn. But if you're asking me what I bring to the table, I think I bring the footwork. I think I bring, obviously, the athleticism um, and the strength. You know, I haven't really got a chance to showcase a lot of my clinch work yet. But if you want to take one thing away from playing the NFL for so long and playing football, it's that I learned to be explosive and powerful in very short spaces. Um, and that's where the clinch comes into play. That's where my ground and pound comes into play. You know, so if, if these hands get on someone's chin, on someone's head, it's going to be a lot of damage for them just because I've that's been ingrained in me 
essentially since I was in second grade of how to generate power from a very, very close space. Yeah. And getting into basically like the heavyweight division, you know, the limit is 265, right? And uh, you weighed in at 240. I noticed that you weigh in at 240 a lot. Is that like your preferred weight or is that like the weight you walk around at? So what's what's your preferred weight when you fight in 265 basically is what I'm trying to ask. Yeah. So essentially, I actually usually when I weigh in, I weigh 245. So when that way in the Kendra series happened, it was early in the morning. So I didn't eat breakfast because I do intermittent fasting. So my, my first meal is actually at 1230 um, in the afternoon. So I was on an empty stomach, you know, didn't really drink a lot of water, weighed in 240 is what it is. Usually I'm about 245. You know, I've been up to about 247. Um, you know, I mean, anywhere from the 240 to 245 range, I feel about the same. You know, my strength's obviously there. Um, my cardio's definitely there. So as long as I can stay above 240 and probably below 250, uh, I'm happy with it. You know, and if you see a lot of the UFC guys, I mean, you saw with Francis. Francis used to have to cut to make a lot, you know, to make the 265. Um, he opted to go a little leaner, uh, and that's had all the benefits in the world. Stephen Miocic is another guy who used to weigh 230, 240. Uh, Cyril Gaon weighs 240, 250 sometimes. So that's kind of what, what the new breed of heavyweight is now. You know, it's not like the old days where you had guys, you know, weighing 280, having to cut. Um, I think those days are gone now just because you, you need to have everything. You need to have cardio. You need to have the ground game. So uh, I'm very happy with where I'm at with my weight. There you go. And you talked about the old days. So I I kind of like to ask this question to the fighters okay. I interview is uh, let's, let's go in fantasy land for a second, right? You get yeah. a contract from Dana White. It's a blank contract. It's your name versus and fill in the blank, right? You, if you, you like, Basically, fill in, fill in the blank. Which fighter, like past or present, old or new, uh, would you love to face and match up against in the octagon? Man, that's a great question. You know, um, I mean, in my weight class, because, you know, I was a big Anderson Silva fan. I still am. You know, he's fighting Jake Paul now. I'll be cheering for him all day. <laughs> um, I think looking back on it growing up of, like, who, like, really kind of got eyes in the sport was Brock Lesnar, you know? Um, I remember his fight with Shane Carwin, the, the the Frank Mir fights and everything. I feel like that guy kind of took it to a whole new stratosphere because, and granted, he had the skills that don't get it twisted. But, like, when Brock Lesnar got on the scene, it, it started to be more, less of, like, just the skill set, and it was more about the entertainment value as well because, you know, professional wrestler and everything. So, uh, yeah, man, Brock Lesnar would be fun. Yeah. So, yeah, that sounds great. But basically to wrap this whole interview up, I just want to ask one final question is when it's all said and done. Right. You've had your fights. You've 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 won gold. You did that. You did this. You did that. What would you like to be remembered for at the end of your MMA career? Like if um, if a fan mentions Austin Lane and what do you would you like the fan to follow up with? Like he was a great fighter. He was the best of all time. He was what, what was Austin Lane? A few things, you know, first of all, um, I want me being an NFL player to be an afterthought. And I want people to go, yeah, I remember that. I remember that guy. He was a great fighter. Wait, didn't he play football? I don't even know. It doesn't even matter. <laughs> That's probably the first thing. You know, I, I want people to remember me, obviously, by the, the performances that, that I put on in the cage, you know, um, that, that always came to scrap, that always came to fight. Um, it was about putting on a great show. And I think most importantly that I did it my way. You know, there's, there's a lot of fighters out there 
who want to generate the hype, generate, you know, just the, the attention, if you will, whether that's on social media, the things that they say, um, how they act in press conferences. But sometimes those things are genuine. That's not who they are. And you know what? More power to them. You know, that's that, that, that's great that they're doing that. Make your money, man. Do what you got to do. I wasn't raised like that. You know, um, I got to where I am now being myself. And when it's all said and done, when I'm holding the championship one day, um, it's going to be because I was myself. So that's probably going to be the biggest takeaway of this whole thing. It's going to be, we should talk about the kind of like the, the old school fighters a little bit. You look at Anderson Silva, GSP, they, they never had to throw on a facade, um, talk shit that wasn't genuine, any of that, because they had the skill set that people are going to come and watch. And, and that's my goal. You know, my goal is to have such performances where it doesn't even matter what I say in the microphone. It doesn't matter how I can press conferences. At the end of the day, you're going to come watch me do my thing. Hey, that's great to hear. And uh, that wraps, uh, wrap, wraps up this interview. Thank you so much, Austin. You are oh, great. And yeah, good luck on your next fight. Right on, man. Stay casual, dude. We'll see you later. All right. See you, brother. Uh -huh.